Salman, you're on. Am I? I'm looking for myself on this thing. It's quite narcissistic. But uh, it's not. If you're watching, then uh, Assalamu alaikum. Oh, here I am. Like. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, everyone. If you're watching this uh, live, let us know on YouTube or Facebook. I've got the Facebook like now. I'm just sharing myself. Uh, yeah, welcome to this uh, special unscripted live. Uh, this is the lockdown live version. It's me, your host, Salman Bhatt, and my trusty co-host, uh, Umar Suleiman. Say hi, Umar. Hi, Umar. Hey, Salaam Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Assalam Wa Rahmatullah. I'm so, doing some Inception stuff right now, bro. Like, uh, uh, I don't see me here, but like, man, it's got like my own Facebook live going at the same uh, time. What are you doing? <laughs> You're doing a live within a live. That's right. That's right. That's right. If only we had someone who's an expert. In keeping things live on the internet. Oh, that would be a rude awakening for our listeners. For our Islamic guest. Aye. That's correct. We've got none other than the, I don't know how to, uh, I don't want to offend you, Sheikh, by uh, mentioning uh, the skeletons in your closet from the past, but we have the founder of uh, Islamic Awakening, was it .com, .net, .org, Sheikh Abu Zubair. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Can you see me now? Uh, no, thankfully not. Uh, <laughs> we just had so a few I, technical. So I just received this message from WhatsApp that the YouTube video is being shared. It's titled Unscripted Live with the Infamous. <laughs> Let me have a look at that for myself. I, I, I hope to live up to your expectation this show. <laughs> I, I, I Mashallah. Uh, how are you doing? How's lockdown going for you? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, not bad. Uh, it's we have to kind of pretend here that we weren't To be honest, about. I've been so oh. busy uh, with life that I haven't still felt it, uh, felt it yet. Mashallah. So, yeah, alhamdulillah, yeah, not not bad. Plus, I'm having to look after two uh, households as well, myself and my parents, and I get to go out more often than usual. Uh, so yep. it's not too bad. Alhamdulillah, it's not too bad. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, so you're quite an interesting uh, personality. I wouldn't say controversial. That's just uh, Mahmoud trying to be clickbaity. But uh, <laughs> you're well. Um, there's like a, I think a cut off age, right? I think maybe I'm around the boundary. People above that in the UK kind of Dawah scene, they know, uh, you know, who you are and and. Uh, have maybe some passionate uh, discussions with you and stuff. People then younger than me, um, they might think, you know, who, who who the heck is this guy? So can you introduce yourself and what Islamic Awakening was? So, I mean, uh, maybe Omar, you can uh, fill us in a bit more. What is Islamic? What was Islamic Awakening to you as well? But I want to okay. hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, as well. You know what? Uh, so I mean, as far as I know, Islamic Awakening was 
one of the kind of popping uh, Muslim slash Islamic websites and forums uh, based in the UK. But I guess you had, you know, uh, people from all over the place um, joining in and, uh, you know, it was very uh, refutation-y sometimes and very, uh, you know, um, frank and, and open conversations about what's happening. It had a good uh, reputation. Conversations. Or well, good reputation, as some brothers from East London may uh, pronounce it. <laughs> I heard when it when it um, when it closed down, uh, that was kind of uh, at the same time as uh, the stocks in uh, Adobe Acrobat fell as well. <laughs> no, we never had a deal with Adobe Acrobat yeah. or the yeah. S pubs. You're more kind of a open office kind of guy. Uh, not even uh, we just had you sh we just used to have threads uh, and people just go onto the website and read we wouldn't have to produce anything or publish anything yeah so I think that the whole ethos of Islamic awakening was is uncontrolled it is chaotic so you don't actually type up a PDF and preserve anything you just put it out there yeah and yeah so um yeah, man. So take, uh, take us back to your, uh, you know, your journey through to, to, to knowledge, becoming practicing. You know, I mean, you, you're a graduate from the faculty of Hadith, or the Darul Hadith in Mecca, was it? Yeah, uh, Darul Hadith al Khairiya. Uh, it's, it's a learning institute yeah, uh, in Mecca. Yeah, for this. But uh, <laughs> I thought I'd ask you instead. Uh, and so, what 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 kind of age were you, and what what era were you uh, coming of age in, in your Islamicness? Uh, right, I think 80s, security services cut me off the call. I mean, look, I I was just part of the same generation that you guys were of, really. Uh, you know, Omar knows we used to go to the same study circle in Sweden. Yeah, and you know, we were kids back then. We we go grown up slightly. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> grown up and grown outwards you know <laughs> and, uh, grown all, all, all directions yeah. um, you know uh, th I mean it's just not I mean my journey isn't any different to uh, to anyone else's really <coughs> uh, yeah no. yeah <laughs> there's not really that much you share there's no nothing interesting <laughs> I don't know what you want from <laughs> your journey is no different to anyone else's <laughs> well, I guess most people, you know, we, okay, I mean, uh, some of my experiences, you know, maybe we can all relate to, like, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I mean, for me, when it started, when I was uh, at school, and uh, uh, I, just one one afternoon, I, I, I looked at this prayer room, well, it wasn't prayer room, I just looked at this classroom, mm. and uh, it had a notice outside of it, it says, Zohar Namaz at 1.30 something can't remember Bevan what time uh, lunch breaks were at that time but so I thought that's that's interesting you know maybe a Maldi Sahib is going to come around from a local mosque and lead the kids in prayers let me just pop in and see 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 what happens so I just went in and I saw uh, basically these kids from all different age groups uh, just mucking about having fun and there's no one there's no adult to supervise those kids so I thought it's a bit chaotic there's no one here supervising these kids going, going a bit nuts and then I just see this sixth former come in uh, give adhan uh, and iqama 
and just lead those kids in Lord. I was a bit astonished. What is this? No more. We start coming to lead the prayer. Who is this guy? Six four. Like, I am the one. Uh, you know, leading leading the prayer. And then after the prayer, he turns around. And he goes, look what's happening in Palestine. Look what's happening in Kashmir. Like, wow, what is this? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that, I'm not going to mention that, brothers. So you were radicalized, basically. But I thought, School. wow, man, that's something that, that that's, that's something quite different. So, because I, I guess he was talking about a lot of things that were on my mind that I'd been hearing from my dad about things that are going on in the world and, you know, the, the feeling of despair and... I just saw someone of my age who was able to express that and that way I it sort of opened up the doors for me to identify with a group of people. So mm. it became kind of like an identity thing as well. Okay, if I belong anywhere, probably these group of guys. And, was it just uh, your leather jacket that made you feel that you belonged with the brothers in South London? My leather jacket? You used to have this proper pack leather jacket of the real bro. Yeah, I, you know what, uh, Mahmoud? I have no idea where you. Sorry, is it Mahmoud or is it? It's is it Omar, man. It's Omar speaking. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. so if it's any abuse, if it's abuse, then carry on. Send it to Mahmoud. So, I'll bring Mahmoud. I'll talk about Mahmoud later. Thankfully, he's not going to be part of the thing, so I can see why. <laughs> so, Excuse me. Uh, there might be some technical difficulties oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mahmoud. Sorry, I, I, I was. Uh, I meant was uh, anyway <laughs> so uh, yeah maybe maybe I can't remember you used to wear this like so many... topi. you used to wear the topi you know that like the northern frontiers frontiers they wear not the buckle but the other style pack topi yeah and you used to have this uh, pack leather jacket yeah yeah the one with all the ridges no 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 the maybe nice. maybe actually that that was probably yeah that's so when I became Sort of more aware, uh, I mean, I, I refrain from using the term practicing, I guess more interested generally in, uh, you know, in Dean and stuff. So uh, that kind of manifested in what I would wear uh, and so on. But, you know, after that, the journey was pretty similar to a lot of people in many ways. You know? So you went, you started, you learned Arabic in the UK, you went to Egypt, you went to Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah, came back, got on with work. Who would you? I had a question for you though. Who would you see? I want to get some names of people that you think uh, historically and contemporaries that you you know had an impact on you. So choose historically or uh, you know contemporarily. Are you talking about historically? What kind of history? Contemporary history or? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In your life, in your life, in your life, mention anyone. In your life, who was who was uh, who was? Uh, it's, 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 it's a lot easier. Who haven't you refuted <laughs> <laughs> in the last twenty <laughs> years? My, my, by default, that means dead. Like influence me or people Pe I influenced. People who influenced you. Yeah. Okay, so those are not those are not the people I refuted. Yeah. People I refuted were influenced by me. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in different ways, um, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, so plenty of people. I tell you what, uh, I mean, through my studies, uh, I, I would say like really historic figures that influenced me a lot were people like Imam Ahmad, mm. uh, 
and uh, and number two Ibn Taymiyyah. Uh, uh, I think these were the three main figures that I wouldn't say influenced me that, but really impressed me. Three. So, I mean, Imam Ahmed, Ibn Taymiyyah, and yeah, yeah, you know, you know the third. <laughs> you know the third person that I'm allowed to mention. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Another anyway, time, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say these people influenced me. Uh, I was really impressed by them. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I give the initials at least, didn't it? People can work out who it is. <laughs> to be honest, uh, it's going to be way worse in people's minds. You might as well just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. To be clear, right? So Imam Ahmad, for example, what really impressed me about him is uh, this is generally his personality. Uh, his endeavors in hadith collection, hadith sciences in particular, and uh, his contribution to fiqh as well, and formation of madhab, and and, uh, and more importantly, the political stance he took on a theological viewpoint, uh, and the impact it has had uh, for generations to come. I think that was phenomenal. So that is very impressive. And, uh, you know, something like that is demonstrated in his funeral when it took place. Mm. Uh, Ibn Taymiyyah for slightly different reasons. I think that guy was was beyond his time. He was he was a genius in his time. And even his detractors before he became famous uh, admitted, uh, you know, his 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 uh, his abilities. Uh, so, I mean, the ability for, for his ability to be able to go into each science and to master it to such a great degree as if you would think that he wouldn't master anything else. Uh, so that kind of thinking, I think Ibn Taymiyyah and his insight into not only Islamic sciences, but generally, I think human sciences is, is, is just phenomenal. Uh, and on top of that, his ability to be politically and socially active uh, that that was just another layer on top of the uh, you know layer layers of complexities to his personality and then lastly i would say muhammad ibn al-wahhab um Ooh. Oh. that's because that's because not due to his act not due to say no more fam <laughs> not due to his academia not due to uh not, not, not due to the things that uh, I would admire Imam Ahmed for, but because of his activism at a time and his ability to actually question uh, the norms of, uh, you know, the, 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 the academic class and the social class of that time to question some of these things, face that opposition, especially in the isolation that he faced because his supporters were really, really few in number. Uh, and they were really limited to a few friends and most largely his family members. Uh, so that impressed me, the fact that he was uh, resilient enough to, you know, to, to withstand that kind of opposition. And I'm just to... looking at my, my shelf here and uh, I thought I'd... it's a good quick, good quick fire for you. Kitab Tawheed or Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar? <laughs> and this particularly oh, okay. this, this version of Kitab Tawheed Right I, I would say for, for our time and place I would say neither Oh interesting uh, 
because because the re- that's the thing I think we miss out completely. What made these people great was because they they uh, they uh, fulfilled the needs of their times. Yeah, they discussed the topics that were of relevance to them. That's why they mattered, and that's why they left a legacy. So just reading through Kitab al-Tawheed now, Fiqhul Akbar, or even uh, Ibn Abilaz al-Hanafis, or Tahawiyah of any of the classical texts, is just, is just basically, I think in my humble view, is complete distraction from our current needs today. Okay, uh, I've got some good revised philosophical creed that deals with our contemporary issues. Okay, uh, contemporary books. Tawassul or belief in Allah, Umar Ashkal series. <laughs> I, I, I would say maybe Al uh, Quran of Sayyid Khutub is probably the closest oh, you, nice. you, can, you can get to uh, making Quran more relevant in our lives, in aqidah, in social aspects, and everything else. Uh, Got another one for you, another quick yeah. file. Go on. Manhaj al-Salikin or Amdut al-Fiqh? Depends what you want to do, really. really I want to get pick, pick um, brains on... Uh, I, I, I would say definitely Amdut al-Fiqh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for what you want, for what it's for what it's written for. I think the main purpose. Amdut al-Fiqh is, is it's more suitable. Even though it was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Manhaj al-Salikin? Yeah, because I think it's more basic than Manhaj al-Salikin. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, what you said about your, you know, the uh, the uh, kind of writing, uh, particularly in Aqidah and the philosophy today, um, for for people's needs, right? And not necessarily, you said, neither Kitab Tawheed or Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar, for example. Do you have examples of, uh, other than Fidhul Al-Quran, which is like massive, you know, what, what, yeah. would, what would you... Um, do you do you see any good uh, matan in 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 Aqidah, for example, or because um, I don't know, you might have been uh, following Sheikh Haytham's um, new Aqidah book that he's it sounds funny when you say new Aqidah, but the book that he's written in 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 trying to um, unite, basically describe what all Muslims um, agree on, and in particular what needs to be. Um, uh, established today, you know, that for example, things that people in the past took for granted, like, you know, Islam is the best way of life, for example. I mean, it's not something, yeah. you, would, you know, um, you would you would find it was just taken for granted before, but this is something that many people, young Muslims might might need uh, to hear a, 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 yeah. a cogent articulation of, you know, why Islam is uh, better than anything else that, it, you know, might conflict with it or something or uh, you know, focusing on the, the, the crux of Aqidah, the purpose of Aqidah, rather than necessarily the, the differences between sects and groups. You know, what, what's, your, what's your views on that? I mean, do you think there is or there should be uh, a redrawing of the boundaries of different intra-Islamic kind of sects and groupings um, based on the common denominator? About no, that. I think your question is a bit conflated here. So, I, in principle, I agree with the whole concept of uh, writing uh, a book that deals with contemporary 
uh, issues to do with beliefs and so on. So, you know, confusion about supremacy of Islam over all other systems, okay, mm-hmm. or about the relevance it has in or uh, the, the influence it has in the various spheres of our lives. Uh, and how much control does Islam have? How Islam defines culture and how much of the culture is allowed to then you know uh, is, is accommodated by Islamic law these kind of things I think need to be addressed uh, the question of identity question of Muslim identity and political unity in in the light of modern nation states uh, uh, democracy uh, how Islam views that what aspects of it are are uh, you know Islam has no problem with it what other aspects of it, Islam may find objectionable. These sort of things, uh, I think they need to be dealt with. Uh, but in terms of redrawing the boundaries uh, of differences, look, mm-hmm. there's one thing there's, there's one thing you cannot do no matter how hard you try. You cannot bury your history. And you cannot pretend that certain disagreements never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can continue pretending that until... You educate people until they're educated enough to reach the, you know, reach for the shelves and get get hold of those books and find out. Oh my God! In you know, in the past, Ibn Qudama said X, Y, Z about Al Ashari, and and you can't get away from it. And, and people are going to find out. People are going to ask questions. So how do you reconcile that? How, did you internally redraw boundaries within yourself? I was a very bro because within, I guess, your own journey. Oh, do you feel that you haven't changed your positions? You're just not speaking or amplifying them? Because I, most people won't know this, but mashallah, I guess at one point you were considered um, not, see, to, not torchbearer, but it was kind of that pillar that kind of pulled people back to a certain position or you were the, the lone voice in some ways line, uh, shining a light on certain issues at that time that got a lot of conversation going. And you may have seen like an agitator, Right, and I, I use that as why I say seem like an agitator because people who didn't know you may have thought of you as that. Can you give but, an example, Omar? What kind of positions? There's <laughs> even positions, I think, raising topics, the forums, etc. Um, and I know, <laughs> I mean, look, anyone, anyone <laughs> someone at the time, they said, you know what it is, it's like <laughs> I'm grabbing them and I'm stamping on their neck. Look, look, anyone, <laughs> anyone familiar with Islamic history, you know, yeah. it is. It's not a unique situation we are in where we are facing multiple problems on different fronts and we have divisions within ourselves and we don't know, you know, how to deal with it. Uh, It's not it's not the first time you're facing a situation like this. So uh, even even the beginning, you know, you had at the time of Imam Ahmed when they were facing the Mm. the onslaught from the rationalist movement, there was, uh, you know, there was a faction of of Muslims within the Sunni tradition who wanted to reconcile between reason uh, or, or between, uh, uh, to be more particular, uh, uh, Hellenistic reason yeah. and uh, and the Islamic revelation. They wanted to do that. At that time, it was rejected flat out by Imam Ahmad. Later on, when that sort of became more acceptable, there was an alliance between the Hanbalis and the Ash'aris in opposition to the Mu'tazila and the philosophers, despite their disagreements. So it wasn't that there weren't disagreements, there were disagreements, but mm. there was also an alliance and cooperation of convenience. And similarly, much later down the line, I mean, we know Ibn Taymiyyah, 
he he was for I mean, even before we get to Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Qudama, if you read his writings, I mean, generally the Hanbali tradition has always been very, very harshly critical of the Ashari school. That is the documented fact. Okay. But uh, just, when uh, just to put it to you there, just to play devil's advocate here, just because something happened, just because something is, does that mean it ought to have been? But that's not the point. The point is it happened and people mm -hmm. in the history, they managed to deal with multiple crises without mm -hmm. uh, resorting to the tactics we think are necessary. So, for example, Ibn Qudama would be harsh on these like sort of the things. Crusades. At the same time, cooperate with people from various backgrounds and common for common interests. They were mature enough to understand that and see that. So, whether it's the liberation of Quds or whatever it is, the mm -hmm. Hanabla were side by side, they didn't isolate themselves socially or politically, they were part of their society. So while they had the disagreements and they had said many, many harsh words against the Asharis, they were united uh, politically and socially uh, in terms of qada and fiqh, so many things, they, they were all together. At the time of Ibn Taymiyyah, what do you think he did? I mean, he he wrote fatawas after fatawas, I think he was probably the most lenient Hanbali towards Asharis. Right. So would you say it was, it was, so when you say things like this, it's a cooperation, it's kind of like you understand that you guys are different, but you're going to just work together. Or is it that it you should actually... It was just understood. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were and, and that level of maturity existed from all sides. It was never that, you know, when Ibn Taymiyyah, for example, he started... Uh, uh, you know, getting all the ranks together in Damascus to face off the invading Tatar and then going to Egypt to get help. He didn't turn around and ask anyone. Nobody asked him, but hold on, you're a Hanbali, Hashawi, whatever. What are you doing, ABCD? I'm not going to cooperate with you. That wasn't even part of the discussion. The only discussion was basically, we can't face these guys. You better vacate the city. And Ibn Taymiyyah said, well, we're going to face these guys. Lock the, cities, lock the gates down to make sure nobody escapes. That's all the discussion was about because I think these people were mature enough. I mean, I mean, in this country or anywhere in the world, you, you have a work, or not anywhere in the world, that's exaggeration, but I mean, let's look, look at the UK Parliament, okay? You have people from all sides uh, being part of one parliament and when they're faced with an issue, they can work together, like crisis, like mm. COVID or, other, or terrorism, anything else. They can work together. They can support each other. They can unite on these issues because they are mature enough to understand that they can have these, these you know, uh, uh, these differences that can never be reconciled at the same you think time. The Muslims are doing likewise. I don't think Muslims have the maturity at the moment to do that. So they, they think in terms of dichotomy that we either going to, we either not going to have uh, a debate about these historical issues and we're going to be completely intellectually dishonest that these things actually exist or we're going to have disunity. So do you think there should be an evolution of the mindset? <laughs> so when I when evolution, I'm, I'm trying to believe in the concept of evolution. I think <laughs> uh, Let's not lose your head here, bro. Uh, I think I've learned my lesson over time, and I, so, uh, I, you know, for whoever needs to know should know that I, 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 I sincerely believe in the concept of evolution, especially cultural evolution. Yeah. So, you know, before all these things, I think 
you know, all of these things, the questions that we're asking, our ability to be able to disagree vehemently with each other yep. and to be able to work together in so many things we agree on. That, Are there any lines? Sorry? Are there any lines that cannot be crossed? I mean, look, I mean, even if so someone... If we think from an Aqeedah point of view... Even if someone does cross the line, yeah. what are you going to do? No, no, of course, but well, is it like who do practically want to work with and... Because say, I mean, for example... It's, yeah. it's, if a socialist were to come along, you know, guy, someone doesn't believe in Islam, believes the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, Wallahu Billah was fraud, didn't receive anything, but he maybe said whatever he said to keep people in their places, to organize a society in a certain, certain way, whatever. You know, he has his beliefs, but it's, you can't you can't compel him. You can't hate him for what he believes in. But at the same time, there are plenty of things that you and him will agree on. Yeah, like COVID, for example, right? It will be senseless for now a person to think, I'm not going to... I'm not going to socially distance myself from an Ashari. This is the one time I'll love to give him a hug. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you have you have a national crisis. Everyone is in it, and everyone just be mature and work together. I, I and doesn't matter. The next person is Shi'i. Doesn't matter. The next person is a Padiani. He's just a human being, and you're facing a crisis together. Just grow up and solve a problem. And don't shake hands. And, and don't shake hands. No, yeah. no, and maybe an elbow bump or something. This is one occasion where you don't have to keep all your books with you to all the meetings that you attend. <laughs> you know, right. I, um, I, I was asking Omar for some uh, tips and, uh, uh, you know, about what kind of gimmick to do with you, you know, like sometimes you quick fire or whatever or something, load up some, uh, some uh, uh, audio tracks and make you guess whatever. And he was like, I don't know what he's into. He's just a, he's just a tech and uh, the tech guy, he's like IT, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Omar, that's Dera Flop. Hey, hey. <laughs> but uh, I do have one thing to ask I you, one kind of gimmick, right? Quick fire. It's gonna, you're going to shoot from the hip here. You're going to uh, kind of ask or answer the question from your from your limbic system, uh, you know, as, as it were. I want to ask you what the following people, what one word would they use to describe you, to sum you up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Try and keep it oh, clean, please, oh, bro. We're ready. a family show. <laughs> <laughs> the family friendly show. All right. We'll start uh, off. We'll start uh, off easy. I don't know. I, I really, I've spinned it something I've never. I, I, I know. Yeah. Um. Oh, him. <laughs> <laughs> I will, will, will accept a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what word will, would Babur Ahmed use to describe you, to sum you up? This guy. This guy, man. Abu Isa Nematullah. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what his latest opinion is on me, uh, but you better ask him. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, oh, God, was your, was your answer. <laughs> No, because uh, he does, uh, maybe he does say, oh God, I'm not sure. <laughs> what about Sheikh Haytham? Ah, oh, Sheikh Haytham. Uh, he, he, he would just berate me, man. <laughs> Tomorrow, last time I met him, he would just... Uh, in fact, each time I meet him, I say, this is... <laughs> With his accent, his attitude. Yeah. And you can see, you can notice the qalqala. Yeah. Oh. 
uh, you can feel the piercing pain. Do you want to translate that for uh, the viewers? <laughs> I have a lot of respect for, for that man. Uh, may Allah preserve him. Yeah. May Allah keep him safe, especially in these times. He should be sitting at home, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Yasul Sheikh Yasul Qadi? What word would he <laughs> Oh, Lord. Last time I met him was was in Mecca, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. To be honest, I I've I've never. I think last time someone mentioned him to me, he just silently stared at him. <laughs> <laughs> so you do this. That's, that's all I got told. <laughs> yeah, it was <just> that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, another easy one, Osama Hassan. Ooh, who's that? <laughs> Ooh, who's that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Next jihadi. Um, probably extremist or something. Yeah, I, I guess any anything that can be wrote off is time uh, money. So I, I got probably that, be like uh, officer knows the address. They were saying. <laughs> They were saying, ask Abu Zubair about his beards or peers. I don't know, they spelled it the same. So, yeah. so I don't know if he meant ask you about your teachers, your beards or your, your peers, you know, people you used to rub shoulders with. So, uh, To be honest, I haven't, uh, I've been out of these circles for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I keep in touch with them every now and then. Um, you know, uh, just was, there, was there a conscious yeah, yeah. decision like at a point in your life where you said, I'm not going to go down the full-time sheikh kind of job route and I'm going to just focus on IT work and uh, your own kind of, your, 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 the work that you do, your day job? Yeah, I think, uh, I think there was a point uh, in my life where I thought, uh, you know, I, I need to have one focus uh, and, uh, you know, a sense of stability for myself, my kids, my families. I think that should be my priority before anything else. In my experience, I think due to uh, due to my own personality, uh, I guess, and uh, maybe ways of doing things, I thought it's probably it's probably too much of a risky venture for me to invest in other people's project if things don't work out then i end up sacrificing my family mm. and that project so i thought there's one investment i can never uh hopefully uh, there's less chance for me to lose out on really is my family and my immediate people and then it occurred to me after a while really that is the principle of life uh that mm. has resonated across different traditions religions philo philosophies I mean, you know, the the, the Prophet Sallallahu said about <laughs> looking after your own family, you know, <laughs> look after yourself and then those and then your dependents, uh, you know, so your immediate responsibility is really before it comes to you, mm. your immediate responsibility is you, uh, no matter how selfish it sounds, but that is the law of life your immediate responsibility being you and then your immediate dependence uh the 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 law of you know first aid same thing you know if you're drowning with a group of people get yourself to safety and then worry about others so i thought that's one thing that i need to have 
in my life, get myself sorted. And even if I'm not able to achieve much in life, at least I'll be able to give enough stability for my kids to be able to stand on my shoulders and achieve things that I could only dream of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe, that, that. maybe that is my role. It's better selling um, um, the work you done with hugs. Active with hugs. What was that all about? And tell so, us for those people who aren't aware of hugs. Okay, that's it, a good question. Be... So hugs is a UK registered charity that was set up in the aftermath of 9-11 with a lot of the families, especially in South London, being rounded up, raided, arrested and so on, which came as a huge shock to the community. I think I remember you guys uh, were aware of what was going on at that time. And I think you're also aware of the families that were impacted by it. And we could kind of feel the tremor that they went through due to closeness. And we could imagine the trauma that they went through as well. So uh, very organically, we had a group of sisters create this network to provide emotional, practical support to families that are affected by this. And that slowly that grew out of South London and it became a nationwide organization to help families in similar situations. So since I've been back, I've been involved in in hugs, helping them on different things. Uh, 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 lately, I've been involved in uh, uh, basically helping them draft a zakat policy. And yep. I think that's that's so zakat has because of hugs. Actually, I'll yeah. say zakat has become my latest passion. So this one thing, if you ask me, if there's one thing I would like to contribute to our media society. If one change I can bring about mm-hmm. uh, is zakat, then I'll be really happy. I I tell you something. On what do you on, mean by zakat? Yeah. Wait. So, do you mean digging, giving well, here's a thing. Here's the thing. You know, there, there's a huge difference between studying something theoretically and facing that problem in real life, because that's when you actually understand what the theory that you studied. So, you know, I had. I had studied zakat uh, like properly first in Egypt and several times in Saudi and so on, but none none of that actually sunk in until I uh, revisited the you know some of the poor families, the uh, hugs families that are deserving of even a question of who is deserving of zakat. Can we give them zakat money or not? That compelled me to actually go back and read my notes and read all the books that I had studied then. It's good. What does it actually say? What is the definition? And I was astonished. Uh, the conclusion that I've come to now uh, by doing this gap analysis between what's stated in our fiqh books and what how Zagat is being practiced is that, and the best analogy I can give, imagine if we live in this country and everyone prays separately. Okay, we didn't have a mosque by mm. definition. Everyone prayed separate, separately, or the best we had is the prayer hall that people, let's say, hide once a week for a Friday. Uh, Similar to or, maybe some of our fathers' generations. Maybe you can imagine you wouldn't you wouldn't say that this is somewhere where salah is being established because you wouldn't have what you call by definition a single mosque in a country where five daily prayers. Uh, are, are performed along with Jummah where you can actually perform Ertikaf. There wouldn't be a mosque by definition, you mm. know. So I think in terms of Zakat, we are in a very similar situation. 
So we have people who are giving zakat. We have organizations who are collecting zakat. To our surprise, a lot of the, even the biggest organizations with, with their revenues going in millions, uh, they do not actually have a zakat policy, mm. written or unwritten. And often what does, what does a zakat policy access. mean? What does, it look, what does one look like? Who you oh, should, some should kind of idea. Them? What some kind of idea? How are you number one collecting the zakat, and mm. number two, how are you distributing? Very very basic questions. How do you define the criteria of poverty? Where are you distributing it? How because essentially zakat mm. is a ritual uh, before. It, before the, all the maqasid that come into it. In fact, we only learn about the maqasid of zakat once we look at the ritual practice of it. Okay, so if we, if, if we look at the, so the ritual practice of zakat and we see how much of that being implemented, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be surprised to find, uh, you know, organize, zakat organizations who actually are aware of even the ritual requirements of zakat. Yeah. So, for example, for example, yeah. Let me, as a test, let me ask you, uh, guys, and I don't want to put uh, on the spot because trust me, I, I, I it, uh, despite of having studied this, is something that didn't sink in to my head either. Uh, you know, a few years back, okay. So, to Google if, answer, if, I, if, I, if I say to you, like, a poor person, who's a poor person? What would I you mean, uh, gut reaction would be is, is defined by the local custom as someone who you would point out and say this is a poor person who doesn't have enough for his or her needs like for example if i if i were to show you a person on the street you know he's got he's he he's seems like okay dressed okay mm. he doesn't have any broken limbs he doesn't seem to have any like you know his clothes are all washed and everything okay yeah. would you look at this person and say okay this person is poor not poor uh, yeah. I mean, we we get that stereotype in our minds, right? Someone kind right. of um, I think cap, that, cap in hand that and uh, scruffy clothes. It's very, yeah. very prevalent. Yeah. Very prevalent. So, so the sort of questions I used to get, believe it or not, on WhatsApp groups is, uh, there's a family of like a mother and a few children. Uh, they have been evicted by their landlord and they have nowhere to live. Can I give them zakat? Mm. Right. Uh, it's a legitimate question, you, because people have this idea in their heads that zakat can only be given to like really poor, famine-struck countries. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, but they, if I tell you now the definition of a poor person, it, uh, as agreed by, let's say, the three schools, if you keep the Hanafi schools to the side for the moment, definition of a poor person is basically anyone who is unable to meet his normal living expenses without being extravagant or without being miserly normal living expenses okay such that he can live with ease what that means okay practically that if a person is just about breaking even and meeting his costs on a monthly basis he is not living with ease and by definition even on a monthly basis, he is breaking even. He is poor, according to Islamic definition of the three schools. Mm. Why? Well, why would it be so contentious in you saying this? Though? Because uh, because the general mindset is, 
ask it to bring it to bring it closer to home. Uh, they have to be visibly. Uh, Joseph uh, Roundtree's Joseph Roundtree's uh, assessment of uh, of let's say living standards in London. Okay, for a couple and two kids, it, they need about forty to forty-five k's income to survive to live in London. Okay. Anything beyond that, they are unable to meet their living expenses. And that's for like a normal family. You can argue maybe for a Muslim family, it might be slightly less, slightly more, depending on what culture they come from. Generally, it's around the same. What yeah. that means, if you have a normal brother, let's say, working for Iman Channel, working for any, <laughs> and he's on 25K, right? He deserves 25K a year from Zakat to be able to live comfortably in London with a wife and two kids. That's what that means. And okay. if he's not getting that income, then really zakat should be spent here before it's given abroad. So, so, unless, so this, this is this is the challenge, isn't it, bro? Someone who doesn't live comfortably here, maybe lives a little uncomfortably, versus someone having a minimum uh, level of life to survive. Now, if you think of a priority of resources as uh, globally. As Muslims, don't think of it local. I just think the Muslims globally have X resources and how should they be distributed? So what, is it giving something to this person who... But what's it got to do with the ritual of zakat? I mean, is, is that even your responsibility to think at that level? Why not if you are, if you take it upon yourself to think at that level and you take it and you, you try and do it responsibly? So is it somebody having slightly a lesser level of lesser quality of life versus somebody way, who has I no mean, life? For but, the majority but, of majority of human history, right? Human beings haven't traveled outside of something like a five mile radius. So that understands for that type of society and that culture where you literally can't help someone, you know, a hundred miles down the road. Even if that person, what you wouldn't know much about them until it was too late or whatever, so it makes sense to hold, you know, local first and stuff. But it seems a bit odd that, you know, I mean, um, I kind of agree with parts of what you're saying, but it seems a bit odd. It's kind of uh, unfathomable that you know someone on a 25k salary who can actually, you know, claim benefits and that kind of stuff from the state, uh, and you're able to help someone who's literally, you know, starving to death or dying from very simply curable diseases, preventable diseases, malnutrition, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm able to help that person with zakat. And the argument, therefore, is that, yeah, okay, um, you know, closeness, proximity is one uh, important uh, um, factor in the fiqh that goes into the fatwa. But alongside it are other dimensions as well, such as desperation of neediness or... Uh, you know, surely a different dimension that where, you have. Where, which, where, where does it state? Where amongst the four schools, where does it state that? Uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the third one. So, so look, look. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. I think when it comes to certain ritual aspects of Islam, right? We are very mm. prescriptive about the Sharia and 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 the text and the agreement of the four schools. With other equally ritual aspects of Islam, mm. we are very keen to rationalize and justify, whereas your only requirement is just to follow the letter of the law. Now, even why with Salah, for example. Why are you even worried about? Even with Salah, we, 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 we Allah does not expect of you. Allah, Allah expects you, to, as the Prophet said, is taken from the 
the rich of a people and mm. give it to the poor of those people. That has been like that for centuries. Yeah. And it's a matter of agreement amongst four schools. So, I mean, on the, you see, there, there, might, there may be more agreement on that than there is on music, God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? It's something, something so clear cut over here. And essentially, see, Zakat is a, is, is a ritual obligation. Right mm -hmm. before it ha before we get to the maqasid, of course it has the maqasid, but we only know about the maqasid through the rituals. If it wasn't for the rituals, we wouldn't know the maqasid. Right, that's how we induce the maqasid by looking at the text to begin with. If the texts are all pointed to one direction, then surely what you believe to be a maqasid cannot mm. actually be the maqasid. If so, if all the evidences in the Sharia are pointing to you to do one thing, Allah is setting and managing your ex uh, setting your expectation mm -hmm. that is you collect the money and you give it to your own poor people that's all yeah. you're I mean, that, to make sure that your obligation is done yeah so if we established uh, sorry, sorry. Is, we, we've, you know that that has become more prevalent in the, in the last few years i mean i think before it was just standard that everyone kind of uh, get, you know, send there's a car off somewhere else but um, I suppose it's this. This is a kind of, I suppose you know, it's an area of ishtihad at the end of the day, really, because, you know, I always say if you want to follow someone, if you want to follow a school of thought, if you want to follow a person, if you want to follow the Prophet ﷺ, ultimately, then we, in my opinion, is we shouldn't do exactly necessarily what they did, but rather we should do what they would have done in our position, had they been in our position, because sometimes you might be, um, you know. Um, Following, following them in in the outward practice, but you know maybe in one particular pace or another. And we are we had this discussion when when it came to the closure of the masjids, for example. And that salah and you know all of that. It's a pillar of Islam and it's prescriptive and it's you know mm. it's a ritual act. But how can we just close the masjid? But you know there was you know there, there's there's other things that enter into the domain. I mean I, I'm fascinated by these conversations personally, and uh, you know I'd like to have more and more of it, but. Uh, I want to get get people give people a chance in the comments to to put some uh, uh, question forward as well. One person he said, uh, "said I'm your biggest fan. I'm one of his biggest fans. Mashallah, uh, fan is short for fanatic. Maybe <laughs> 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 someone you ra radicalized back in the day. His name is Jim. And Jim. he watched a film called Misery. No. Why? <laughs> 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 is he screaming? Is he screaming in the comment box at the moment? <laughs> he sounds like someone who's not happy in Egypt. <laughs> His name is Jib Jib, and he said, uh, "Please ask Abu Zubair why Islamic Awakening was closed down." Mm. Uh, That's interesting like, oh, wording. He said, "Was yeah. closed down." The so, so I was I was too busy I was too busy with life. Uh, mm. Generally speaking, I was I didn't have the time to maintain it. Uh, it got it, it got attacked once by uh, a certain section. I think just one individual who claimed to be anonymous. Uh, so the hosting company said, "Sorry, we the can't anonymous." Sorry. You claim to be the anonymous part of the anonymous. Yeah, but that's a very sort of loose, you know. Kind of group Tenuous. of people. Basically, anyone's doing anything in the name of anonymous just to get get for that effect, really. So, uh, the point is, the hosting company weren't able to host it because they came under sustained attack, uh, and they told us to basically uh, take a backup and you mm. know off you go. And after that, I simply didn't have the time to put the site back up. And uh, and to be honest, uh, it's it's a lot of good came out of it. 
But, but I think there's I, a lot I, of good going into it. Honest confession now. I yeah. think my time could have been spent doing more fruitful things. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, anyone who's involved in like Discord or anything else, I would say to them, you know, guys, get a life. You can do a lot more damage in real life than you can on online forums. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I saw the wrong message, bro. Take that you know. <laughs> I, I, I told you I'm going to shut you guys down. Moral of the story. <laughs> no, I mean, look, you can, you can you can achieve a lot more. What I mean, you can you can yeah. contribute a lot more to the society. Uh, it's good. It has a good side to it as well because it generates discussions, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of back and forth generates ideas. It generates. Uh, I, I mean, I I've written a lot. I've written. Co- I've contributed a lot, which I like to compile and put together somewhere on a blog. Uh, you know, for public consumption when I get time. So there's definitely a lot of good that came out of it. Slam twenty one C. What's that? Islam 21C. What, what, what is that? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> you, you can post it on the... I don't know. It's Islam 21C Awakening. Islam21Cawakening.com. No, I mean... What you just said reminds me, actually. I, I, what I liked about Islamic Awakening and disliked at the same time is the openness of it. Uh, if I were to If I were to go back to it, I would go back only for the one reason that, you know, everyone is able to share their two cents, contribute their views. And there's no, there's no sanctity to anyone's like, uh, claimed status over there. So you can call yourself Sheikh, if your argument doesn't make sense. Quality. Yeah, it it will be questioned. Do do da'is, do scholars today need gentle correction or reprodding or if they've said something which is out there and you consider it dangerous or not even dangerous misguided in some sense or telling people the wrong thing do they need some sort of correction and so i think that's one good purpose that islamic awakening served is that it created uh it created pressure. It filled yeah. a vacuum. Kept people on their toes. Yes. So I, I I come from that kind of circle. I know for a fact that a lot of the speakers are very concerned about their reputation because yeah. of the circles they hang around in, because dawah they meant to want to maintain and so on. So they would they would be very concerned if they have any negative publicity against them so often the only thing to keep them in check is that you know it if you don't have anything good to say then the least you can do is just keep silent uh here's a question here's a question this was 20 years ago and someone had said listen you can pray tarawih behind a video screen (laughs) how would you have posted back then if you'd heard this no, I'll just it off and clap because you see, not uh, not all ideas. You see, not Would all. You really ideas. have said, yeah, yeah, well done. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about open society and open discussion, open academia, the way our tradition has been. You know, Alhamdulillah. I mean, our tradition has never has that kind of like as rigid mm. Catholic kind of structure 
where you know everything is under strict control and everything has everyone has to be certified before he could be heard or listened to or read uh so academia is open to everyone and what that means is that anyone can just pick up a book interpret it in any way and just put his interpretation out there and the way allah guides his religion is that he empowers the people to be able to see okay this is just a load of nonsense i'm never gonna buy it so you can say what you like and uh, you know if it's ridiculous people just won't pay any attention to it and there's no reason for for us to actually pick on any every ridiculous opinion that a person may air every now and then and to make a pdf about it you know so full unadulterated democracy in your opinion I think that's always that's yeah. been our tradition that's been our civilization I mean you look at sometimes you look at our culture even at the time of Ibn Taymiyyah and you compare it to ours you think in many respects it was far too far more liberal for our taste I mean Ibn Taymiyyah would just on his way back and forth I think it was to the library or to the madrasa where he used to attend he would you know he would meet a Jewish person and he, they would have dialogues about theology uh, and he will be able to question Islam the way he would, uh, and that's how Ibn Taymiyyah was able to actually refute uh, some of his claims in the first place because there was that kind of open discussion taking place in a Muslim society. Yeah, we, yeah. we can't we can't even think of that anymore. I mean, you, you you touched on this briefly. I want to come back to just just shortly. I, I asked this of all the brothers slash mashaykh uh, your age. Uh, uh, that is, what <laughs> advice or what what would you say to a young a young Abu Zubair. I think you just beat him. I don't think you'd say anything to him. <laughs> <laughs> and after I'm done with that, <laughs> beat the young, you beat the young Umar Suleiman as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Bro. You know, you know what, what, what? One thing I would say definitely is. You don't have to have an opinion on every single issue and you don't necessarily have to air your opinion on every single issue, okay? Not every fight is your fight. And let things happen, whatever happens around you. Have one focus and just pursue it relentlessly and achieve it. Come what may around you. You just, so for example, now for me, if it's the gut issue, if there's one thing I would like to see happen in my lifetime, in my locality, if we can revolutionize the way we think about zakat, the way we give zakat, we give zakat to our own relatives, we help them set up businesses from zakat money, uh, such that, you know, like quoting, for example, you know, if, if like, so to my, in my mind, I have a, I have a standard to meet. The yeah. standard and the standard is a very humble standard. Let's like a project for your life, basically. Let's yeah. say the Shafi'i school and the Hanbali school, they say that the minimum zakat a person deserves is on a yearly basis. So, let, so let's say a person is 25k short, he is given 25k straight away to meet his expenses for the entire year. If we can reach that standard of giving zakat in this country, that would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. I and think we would empower to, to such a level that we will make our entire community capable enough to be effective globally but if we are if we can't sustain ourselves if we can't sustain our small communities there's nothing you can do on a global level just take that dream out of your head if you can't make something of your community locally
that's great advice. So have a have a focus. You're saying have a focus in your life. Have something, one project or one thing that you want to achieve in your life, and rather than getting distracted by the many um, squabbles and fights that we see online nowadays. That's great yeah. advice. Any other advice to youngsters now? Maybe do you see some people going down a similar route to you, and you'd like to maybe uh, shake them up a bit or give them a few slaps or whatever to quote more. Yeah, uh, one thing I would suggest. One thing I would suggest, uh, you know, if you do have to express your disagreement, okay, uh, <laughs> you don't always have to be polite. Still, okay, it really depends on who you're disagreeing with, what the disagreement is about. But always do that with this thing in the back of your mind that one day you are going to be working with this person on some project. So. Remember not to burn all bridges. Excellent, that's great advice. Right? As, as long as it's not the uh, secret service. You can't be straightforward. <laughs> Intelligence. But just bear that in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, um, I wanted to, I don't want to take more of your time. I wanted. I would like to continue uh, discussing, but I'm, I'm getting wary of the time and some of us have to uh, go to bed and some of us have some countdown to play uh, on my Facebook page, mm -hmm. right? maybe later on. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to get and give a last chance to maybe to give a plug to Hugs as well. It's a very important, uh, you know, charity that we should all uh, help out with. Um, and, you know, despite the whole zakah discussion, there's so much sadaqah we should be giving anyway, inshallah, for, um, uh, you know, all of the, 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 the great work that uh, the people at Hugs do. And, um, yeah, what, what, what have you got planned next with uh, Hugs? Um, how's it going during the lockdown? So I think the plan at the moment is really to survive uh, because obviously all like all other charities, uh, the, the, the plans are basically normal. So anything mm -hmm. does is going to be online and the competition online is tough, especially when I try to organize something on a day and mm -hmm. that day gets hijacked by all other seminars that are going on. <laughs> so very few people end up attending that. So I thought it's gonna be it's gonna be very hard. And the people gonna be hit hardest obviously are the families that are frankly have already been living in isolation for years. Mm, uh, you know, from their own community. So for them it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be strangely surreal because it's like now everyone else is in a similar kind of isolation well not exactly the same but you get my drift so uh they, they, the thing is they still need to pay the bills yeah. and you know whatever people think about the benefit system in this country i, th I don't think uh, i think i think i would recommend that they watch a film called i daniel blake i don't know if they've yeah. watched, uh, you guys have watched it yeah. watch that film that'll give you some idea about the benefit system mm. in this country uh you know the local housing authority they have the minimum the minimum threshold they have set for the housing benefit they will give to an individual that comes to about 30 something percent of the market rent yeah mm -hmm. and which landlord is going to accept uh you know rent basically that below the market rent for his house so got to be realistic really so if the government is unwilling to actually give a market rent for a property where are these people going to pay for for something as basic as a roof over their heads and if these people's needs are not being fulfilled from zakat from us then we are failing in our religious obligation doesn't matter which which charity you give your zakat to 
<laughs> if you're local, if your neighbors are, are, are being poor and you give, you're giving money somewhere else, surely something wrong here. So, yeah. so you know, just to, just to add to that point, if I may, look, with hugs, subhanAllah, mashallah, mashallah, all the team behind it have been doing great work for such a long time. And I know sometimes people feel it's one of the, um, it doesn't have a huge budget behind it. There's not huge PR campaigns and marketing and people aren't aware of the great work that just goes on. People sacrificing personal time, boots on ground, going and meeting families. And I think it's very important that people understand that it is a responsibility. You know, they say that uh, when the price in the market is cheap, everyone buys. So when there's people calling out for charity and all these big causes, it's easy to give money to them. But to have that sense of responsibility that genuinely you care about what's going on in your locality and these people who yeah. aren't in a difficult situation, honestly, they are from the Madhulum. They're from the oppressed. And helping someone like that, you don't know what a difference you'll make to their life and the impact of their dua on your life. You know, And I think it's very, very important. Whoever's listen to this, find out about hugs and go and support yeah. them in some way that you can. You know, they they're doing and a service. Volunteering your time yeah. as well. Volunteering, helping uh, maybe after the lockdown this part, you know, helping families. You know, go and visit loved ones, for example, driving people, uh, driving people's families, yeah. and just volunteering and helping you them know buy how shopping. You feel when you haven't been able to see your loved ones, maybe it's been one week, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. And I imagine that you can't see them at all, even though you want to, not because you can't see them because of coronavirus, but because of the situation. What a difference it make to you to be able to see and hold your loved ones. So these are our responsibility to our families. And I think everyone really should step up and do what they can uh, to, to help hugs, inshallah. Inshallah. Guys, it's really appreciated. We'll let you go now. Coming on. Hopefully we don't see you online. I'm going to now go quickly and uh, resurrect the Islamic awakening now. <laughs> oh, for, oh, it's going to be from Islamic, from Sahwa Islamia to Dinanish. Yeah, <laughs> islamicresurrection.com. Yeah, I got, I got, I got the, I got, got the, long hair already. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, Allah. I'm going to return. I know a bit about Turkish food, at least. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, Omar, folks. Mashallah, uh, Sheikh Abu Zubair. A blast from the past for some of you. A lot of people have been uh, in the comments and stuff. A lot of people saying it's good to see, uh, good to see him and, and me probably and Omar as well. Someone think it's a safe to message now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, remember to uh, you know help uh, the organization out, hugs however you can, especially just you know Subhanallah. Um, what Omar said, uh, empathizing right now, you, we've been in lockdown and we've been in isolation for three, four weeks now and these families have been in isolation of a, of a type for sometimes years. So uh, empathizing right now is very important. It's easy inshallah for us to empathize. On the topic of empathy, uh, Dr. Uthman Latif, you know, I'm looking forward to his uh, series, Magnum Opus, inshallah. He's doing a series on Islam and empathy as part of the online mosque, sorry, the online masjid. Uh, project uh, coming soon, inshallah. Very enigmatic uh, project coming from Islam 21C. It's amazing, inshallah. It's a huge, huge uh, blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we've, uh, you know, the, the team have, mashallah, I've been nothing, but the team have been slaving away, you know, behind the scenes. Many, many, many thinkers and activists and academics and sheikhs and du'at have been. Uh, donating so much of their time to help us have a, an amazing Ramadan this year. So that's going to be unveiled 
uh, tomorrow, inshallah, in a special online conference, a global online online conference called Ramadan Unlocked. Uh, we have Sheikh Haytham uh, al-Haddad, we have Sheikh Abdurrahim Makati, Sheikh Wassam Sharif, Sheikh Sajid Umar, who just had his PhD viva. Uh, mashallah, may Allah bless him and uh, all the mashayikh as well. Uh, Sheikh Asim Khan is coming as well. Sheikh, uh, and I'll be there as well hosting uh, your favorite host, a fam family friendly host. Um, second favorite host. Yeah. Second favorite host. Just turn off his mic for a second. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so do tune in tomorrow. Uh, check it out now on islam20c.com. You can see the, the banners up there. It's going to be at 6 p.m. inshallah tomorrow onwards. So 6 p.m. UK time. Uh, BST. Uh, be there or be square. Uh, if you like this podcast, this new setup we've got going, give us a like and a share um, and give us some uh, feedback as well in the comments. We'll be looking at the comments later on. Anyway, if you want to get in touch, if you want to join the conversation, uh, we'll, we'll give you Definitely. a shout. And if you're well known and have a bit of a following <laughs> and like to be on our show, <laughs> do let us know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, then consider subscribing. Okay? Uh, click the little bell notification, the icon. And you'll get uh, notified, you get spammed, and uh, every time we release some of this uh, good stuff on a live stream. So, um, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I think I've spoken about everything uh, I wanted to. Uh, Omar, any no, final words? No, Jazakallah, it's been a pleasure. Stay safe, stay locked down, and may Allah allow us all to see Ramadan and accept our ibadah uh, throughout this month, inshallah. I mean, so I mean, that's it from me as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.